Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The word antichrist, it can mean against Christ. It does mean against Christ, but it also means instead of Christ. And you find that both things are true, that those that don't end up looking to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who was sent by God to rescue and save us from our sins, Satan says, I got something for you. I'm going to provide something else for you to look at. Now, Antichrist is literally instead of Christ and against Christ. As Pastor Bill said, when something is anti, it means against or instead of. So if you're for something, then you would be pro, whatever that thing is. For example, if you're a fan of football, you'd be pro football. But if you're against it, then you're anti-football. In today's message, Pastor Bill teaches you that when it comes to Christ, you're either for Him or against Him. There's no in-between. If you don't choose to worship Christ, then you're going to find something or someone else to worship. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 13. As he begins his message, Counterfeit Christ. For you guys that may be just joining us and you have not been with us I got to kind of, you know, do my best to catch you up. We're in a book called Revelation. The book of Revelation, the word revelation means the unveiling. This book is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Like no other book in the Bible, the book of Revelation unveils and reveals to us the person of Jesus. This book, unique in the 66 books of the Bible, promises a blessing to the person that reads it, hears it, and keeps the prophecies of this book. And so we expect to be blessed as we read it, hear it, and make whatever adjustments we need to make based on what we're learning from this book. You know, you guys will have to go back and follow us, but we looked at the church age, and then we looked at after the rapture of the church, there is a period called the tribulation period. This is a period of time. The church is removed from the earth via rapture. God is pouring out his wrath on a world that has rejected and we're in the thick of that part of the book of Revelation. So all that being said, I want to introduce you to the Antichrist. It's the first person we meet. Look at chapter 13, verse one. It says, then I stood on the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and 10 horns on his horns, 10 crowns and on his heads a blasphemous name. Some believe because the beast is coming up out of the sea, the sea can sometimes be symbolic of or representative of the Gentiles. And so that this individual may be Gentile. Here's what's interesting is he's distinct from Satan and the way that he's described. So we know it's not Satan. We'll see as we read on that Satan actually gives his power to the beast. And so a few things about the Antichrist. One, I would warn you, caution you. Some people that don't read their Bible will take information about this person, the Antichrist, who's coming from movies like The Omen or different things like that where, you know, it's not biblical. It's not accurate. So there's lots of conversation about the Antichrist. You want to make sure you get your information about this individual from the scripture because it's actually a real Individual, real person that's really going to exist and really has a function in the end time sequence of events. It says he has seven heads and ten horns. 
For those of you that are familiar with Bible prophecy, Daniel chapter seven, seven and eight, there was a 10 nation confederacy that's going to be ruled. We know that these things speak of the places that are going to be run by the enemy, the places that he's going to be coming out from. And so I'm not going to go to Daniel and break all those things down, but it ties in with what we've already been told. We've been given insight from Daniel and his prophecies about this coming person and where they were going to come from and, you know, what they would be doing when they got here. It says that on his heads was a blasphemous name. And I'll come back to that later because we're going to see the word blasphemy and blaspheming a lot here. And there's a blasphemous name on his head. And so we know right out the gate that if you look at somebody on, you know, someone's walking around with a face tat, a face tat's probably the boldest tattoo you can get you know some people that are like tattoo testing will get like somewhere hidden that even no one would ever see it you know they'll on the ankle inner of the ankle where the sock covers they'll put a little tiny you know butterfly it's like a tester tattoo when you get a face tat you're saying i want the world whatever this is i want everybody to know that i think that believe that or call myself that or whatever it is and so this is a bold you know thing that that on his head is a blasphemous name and it's saying it's screaming. I'm against God. I'm blaspheming. I got a blasphemous name on my head. I've actually seen people with the tattoo of 666 on their face. What would that tell you? What would make a person do that? If someone tattoos 666 on their face. They're saying, I want you to know I'm crazy. I believe some crazy stuff, you know? And so there's a blasphemous name on his head. Now, a couple things. When you think of the word antichrist, because we'll be talking about it a little bit more as we go, it can be looked at in two different ways. The word antichrist, it can mean against Christ. It does mean against Christ, but it also means instead of Christ. And you find that both things are true, that those that don't end up looking to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who was sent by God to rescue and save us from our sins, Satan says, I got something for you. I'm going to provide something else for you to look at. Now, Antichrist is literally instead of Christ and against Christ. And here's how it works. Let's say you in your own life are, let's say you're against Christ. You don't believe in the Bible. You're in a sense, that's the Antichrist spirit. You're against Christ because you're against Christ. You'll probably end up worshiping something that is instead of Christ. And it's how it works. Both things are true against Christ. Then you end up worshiping something that is instead of Christ. Everyone that worships the beast, everyone that's going to worship Satan, everyone is going to be drawn into what the Antichrist is web here. It's going to be because they don't worship Jesus Christ. Now, here's an important thing for us, because we're reading this and you might be saying for us as believers, New Testament saints, does it matter? Do we need to know who the Antichrist is? There's over the years, there have been a lot of speculations as to who it would be. And is it that guy, that person or whatever? Does it matter for us? Not really, because we won't be here, right? We've been raptured before the Antichrist is revealed. The church is raptured. We're caught up. We're gone to be with the Lord. If you're here to see the Antichrist, you jacked up bad. So that's how that plays out. So, but it is written for us. God says, I'm giving you these things so that you can know. And it's not here for nothing. So we should be aware of who he is, where he comes from, what he does. Now I titled the study today, counterfeit Christ. And I do want to show 
at every point where Satan is just throwing a counterfeit. You know, God is this and Satan's like, let me me try. Let me try. And he's counterfeiting something that God is in reality. And so, again, he has on his head this blasphemous name. And I wanted to say a couple more things just on the Antichrist and the attitude of, you know, how does a person get wrapped up in this? How does a person come to a place where, you know, they can be swooned by the Antichrist. The number one thing is that these people that are going to be swooned by the Antichrist and later the false prophet and Satan himself, who empowers all of them, are people that have not turned to Jesus. People that have not said, Jesus, I submit, I surrender, you are Lord. All those that have made Jesus Lord won't be here for this. They won't be swindled up in this. But even on the earth today, there's an Antichrist spirit. There's many things that are against Christ. You should pay attention to this. Think of the fact that there's hundreds of religions in the world. Nobody seems to matter. No one seems to be upset or troubled by any other group except Christ. Christ seems to be the place where, don't say that, not that name. You could say Allah, Muslim, you could be anything else and it doesn't seem to carry the same stigma. It doesn't seem to bug people as much. Why does Jesus Christ Why does that bug people so? Because it's the truth, right? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father except through him. And he makes exclusive claims that are absolutely true, and it bothers the world. And so you see the coexist bumper sticker. And people are saying, you know what? Let's just, we can just mishmash it all. Everybody can have their own thing. No, you can't. No, you can't. You can't have genuine biblical Christianity and anything else doesn't work with anything else. So that's why it's a problem. It'll continue to be a problem. And even after the church is raptured, we end up in this end time sequence of event. It is even more of a problem than ever that there would be people that would dare under those circumstances to worship Jesus, to surrender to him. And so Satan is throwing all the counterfeits that he can. But in first John chapter two, verses 18 and 19 John says this, the same writer of the book of Revelation, he said, little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. So know this, there is the Antichrist, which we're studying in Revelation 13. And then it says there are many antichrists. So the antichrist is the person of Revelation 13. The many antichrists are those who have chosen to worship something other than Christ instead of Christ and are against Christ as a result. Look at verse 19. It says, and this is John continuing the thought, who are those that are against Christ that have gone against him? He says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out of us that they might make manifest that none of them were of us. John is speaking about people that had been with the church and then they went away. John said when they left, they made it manifest. They were never really, truly of us in the first place. Maybe you're listening today and you used to follow Christ. You used to go to church, but now you don't. You've turned away. That's you. And I would beckon you today that you would come back to Christ in sincerity, in reality, because he is the truth. He's the only savior. And there's room at the cross for you. If you've gone away, you can come back. You should come back. And if you want to escape hell, death and damnation, you must come back to Christ. There is no other way. 
But John lays it out there. They went out from us and then they made manifest by leaving. They weren't of us. Sometimes I think we're calling people backslidden that are anti-Christ. They're against Christ. They're not with Christ. They're not going to heaven. I don't care if you got baptized when you were 12 and you were faithful in church for five years. You've been out for seven. You probably don't know God because either the Holy Spirit's broke, which that's not the case. The Holy Spirit lives in believers. He's not going to let you just, you're not going to be okay running the other direction for long. And so if you're able to just go and live a whole nother life and there's nothing on the inside eating you alive, you need to come to Christ and live. You need to come be born again. You need the spirit of the living God to dwell inside you and begin the work that he does in the lives of those who come to him. Verse two is continuing this description and and really connecting the thoughts of who this person is, the Antichrist. Now, the beast which I saw was like a leopard and his feet were like the feet of a bear and the mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne and great authority. Now, those animals that we see, you know, they do draw our attention, our draw our memory back to some of the things that are spoken about in the book of Daniel. I want to point this out. They're all predatory. A leopard, a bear, and a lion. These are all animals that it just in the sense of what they do, they devour. These are animals that eat you. They will chew you. They will destroy you. You don't want to be alone with a bear, a leopard, or a lion. Here's what's important. The dragon who is Satan gives him his power and his throne and great authority. So who gives the Antichrist his power? Satan does. Now, I want to show you something because Satan is a counterfeiter. What does Jesus do to those that want to serve him? He fills us with his what? His spirit. He endues us with power from on high. God baptized us in the Holy Spirit. He gives us power that's not our own. He told the believers, the early disciples in Acts 1, hey, wait here in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you'll have power to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. God empowers his servants. He's done this. You know, you go back to the Old Testament. God, his spirit would come upon a man and God would use him to do his work in that time. The New Testament, God gives every believer the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then he empowers us. He filled us and baptized us in his spirit that we might do great things for his glory and for his name's sake. God empowers his servants with his power supernaturally that we would serve him in such a way that he would get the glory. Satan says, I'm going to do that too because he's a counterfeiter. So Satan gives the Antichrist. I'm going to give him, Satan would say, my power, my power and my authority and thrones. And so the Antichrist is empowered by Satan and he's given the authority. Satan does have some authority. It's limited And it's got a time tag on it's running out. But for a period of time, Satan has some authority. And so Satan says, while I have the authority and while I have the power, I'm going to give it to him to do my work. So during this tribulation period, when hell is breaking loose on the earth, but there are many people getting saved and being born again. Satan says, man, I got to stop this thing. I got to crunch. I got to snuff out believers This should help us understand some things, right? We're looking at what Satan's going to be doing in the end time sequence of events. He's free to move right now. So we got to know that the world that we live in right now, though we're not under this kind of stress and pressure, it is Satan that's behind 
All the things that come out against Christ, all the things that are offered instead of Christ, Satan is behind those things. And so the church, we want to do our job to evangelize. We want to do our job to to offer an apologetic to those that are lied to, those that have believed the lies of the enemy. There's so many of them. And sometimes it's a daunting task when you go out and you think, man, there's there's so many people that believe so many weird, different things. Satan just puts so many lies out. We still need to be equipped and skilled in speaking the truth of the word of God, that God might save those who he would save. And so Satan, the dragon, empowers the Antichrist, gives him power. The idea of a throne is authority. It's what you have authority over. And Satan also gives him great authority. And so verses three and four, it says, and I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. And so here, so we've got a counterfeit, you know, Jesus in every way. Now there's a counterfeit resurrection. You know, Satan, the dragon who gives him power. There's this, you know, scenario here where he appears to be mortally wounded in verse three. And, you know, then his deadly wound is healed. And the result of it is that the world marvels and they begin to follow the beast. I come to another point in a moment because Satan has always wanted to be worshipped. We'll go back and look at when he got kicked out of heaven. That was really what he wanted. He didn't want to be worshiping God, which was his job. He's like, I want some of that for me. When this instance here, Satan, through counterfeiting, is getting what he wants. This phony resurrection is a wound that looked like it was a mortal wound. And then he heals from his wounds. And everybody's like, the world is wowed with this leader. Some people think the Antichrist, you see movies at the Antichrist, he's this dark, you know, guy with red eyeballs and, you know, he just looks real, you know, wicked and evil. And that won't be the case. It's not likely at all that it would be that way. He's probably going to be a handsome guy, very charismatic, very likable. For the first three and a half years of the tribulation period, the world is going to love him to death, be eaten out of his hands. He's going to create peace in the Middle East where there's never been peace. The Jews are going to love him. He's going to set them back up in their temple for worship. This guy is going to have all the answers to all the world's problems and be killing it. And it's at that midway point, the abomination of desolation where he steps in and says, worship me, that it all comes crumbling down. And from that point, literally all hell begins to break loose. But this is not going to be some, you know, wicked, you know, sinister looking character. He'll probably be a very likable person, a very probably be good looking and charismatic and have a you know kind of character that everybody enjoys and likes and looks up to. But what's he want at the end of the day? What's the enemy want? Who wants the worship that belongs to the Lord? And so here we have a counterfeit resurrection. Here's the deal, right? The true resurrection of Jesus Christ actually lends itself to you and me. It is been said in First Corinthians 15, it was the first fruits of what would happen to us is proof to you and me that Jesus has power over the grave and that those that believe in him, when we die, we also will live again. That's what Jesus taught us. He said, look, if you believe in me, I am the resurrection and life. And those who believe in me, if you die, even if you die, you, you will live, you'll live again. Now, Satan has his counterfeit resurrection. Can Satan take you to life after death? He can't. Satan can take you to death after life. Satan can guarantee that after you finish living your life and you miss your opportunity to to receive Christ and be saved because you were deceived by the enemy. Satan can guarantee that after you miss 
the chance for heaven, you go to hell. Remember what he did in the Garden of Eden, right? God put Adam and Eve in the garden. He gave them. They were in paradise. They were naked, married. I mean, it should have been awesome for them. And Satan came and he tempted them to do the one thing God said not to do. In the midst of the garden, it says that there was a tree of life that had Adam and Eve eaten of that tree, they would have lived forever. But also in the midst of the garden, there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil, of which God has said, don't eat of it. Or if you do, you'll surely die. Satan shows up and before they ever eat of the tree of life, tempts them. He makes the tree that God forbid look so good that they lose sight of life and they eat death. And it brought death into the world. He does the same thing today. Same trick that people come into the world and there's mom that say grandma's been trying to lead you to the Lord. This person over here is saying life is here. Life is here. You can find it here. And Satan will make something that's going to lead to death look so attractive. And if you go after it, that's what you're going to get. That's what he does. It's not a new trick, but it's effective still. And so here the world marvels and it says they followed after the beast. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses three through nine gives us a little more insight on this character, this person. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses three through nine. Paul here speaking. He says, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. This is speaking of the Antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now, you know, that what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And one of the restraining influences in the world, why Satan just can't run amok right now is the presence of the Holy Spirit through the church is a restraining influence. It is having a preserving influence when the rapture happened and the influence of the Holy Spirit through the church is removed. Just imagine every believer, everyone that's restraining, that's holding up a standard that is gone, what it will look like on earth and how free Satan will be moving at that time. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord. So when the church is taken out of the way, then he'll be revealed. That's why we're not really looking for the Antichrist. As believers, we're looking for Jesus Christ. We're awaiting the rapture of the church. And so I'm not you know, going to spend a whole lot of time trying to figure out who it might be. I hope to never know. But the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. So we know this. That whenever God does get ready, the enemy is going to be smoked. He has no chance in God's presence. Verse nine says the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Listen to this with all power, signs and lying wonders. The Antichrist empowered by Satan is going to do some lying signs and wonders and people are going to be blown away. There'll be people that follow him because You know, it looks powerful. He's doing some things. They're supernatural. And we need to be aware that they're supernatural on both sides. There's God's supernatural. The enemy can do some supernatural. You know, there's a wicked side of the supernatural. So we want to not be deceived by that reality. 
But it says at the end of verse three that all the world marveled and followed the beast. So hear this. Imagine that you're in that small group that missed the rapture, but get saved during the tribulation period. You're part of that remnant of believers that are getting saved. The whole world is following the beast. They're going to worship Satan. So imagine a world where everybody is in unison following the beast and worshiping Satan. And you're here trying to love Jesus as a new believer in a rough time. It's not going to be a fun time to be a Christian. We know there are many ways that you can spend your day, but we're delighted that you chose to spend time with us today here on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill is working his way through the book of Revelation. There are a variety of things addressed in this book. There are letters written to churches, lots of imagery and prophecy, and the best part, a coming king who will reign supreme. Don't you just love a good story? Where good overcomes evil? Jesus is the ultimate in this, bringing good and restoring all that's broken and lost. What a wonderful savior. How do you engage with the book of Revelation? Is it scary to you? Is it confusing? Is it inspiring? We'd like to help you through what you're thinking as you're listening to these messages. Our number is 310-245-4811. Feel free to give us a call. We'd love to connect with you. Just in case you missed it, that number is 310-245-4811. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry based out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood, in Inglewood, California. Would you come visit us? Sunday morning services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. For those not in the area, you can live stream our service on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Look for links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Our time with you today is about up, but please join us again for the next edition as God continues to reveal His plan for the world and for us. On behalf of Pastor Bill and the rest of the production team, thanks for being a part of A Transforming Word.